This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Well, we're talking with Jacob Young, a church planting pastor in Manchester, New Hampshire. So you're in Philadelphia. Yes. <laughs> so now, how did you get to Philadelphia? Why did you? Because you went to school there, right? No, I went no, to Auburn went, University. Right. So, yeah, down south. so how did you get to Philadelphia? What was the impetus for that? Uh, we moved to Philly to be a part of. So the church that we wanted to move to be a part of, Covenant Fellowship Church, was a part of a denomination that we wanted to be a part of, Sovereign Grace Churches. And so we moved there to be a part of that because we wanted to do ministry with Sovereign Grace Churches. Okay, but people listening are, okay, they don't understand the word covenant, fellowship, ministry, church. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, but you actually moved from one part of the country yeah. to another part? Well, Explain it was, uh, yes. Yeah. So we moved there because we wanted to, part of it was there was a seminary, so postgraduate work that I wanted to potentially attend in the Philadelphia area, Westminster Theological Seminary. But for folks that are kind of thinking, you know, what is this all about? It's really, there was a group of folks that understood biblical truths in a way that we agreed with that we wanted to do ministry alongside. And they happened to have a church Mm -hmm. in the Philadelphia area. It was also next to the seminary that we wanted to attend. Okay. And we were getting married. We knew we didn't want to live down south. You know, we had 5000 bucks in our pocket. Like, well, let's go try this out. So, you know, we were, tw- we were 22 and had nothing else to do. So let's go do this. Okay. So that's how we got up there. Yeah. And then what, what happened? I mean, you were there. How long were you there? We were there for six years, a little over six years. And so the church that we were a part of was evaluating is Jacob called to pastoral ministry or not? I took a couple classes at the seminary that I mentioned. And along the way, we connected with, well, along the way, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, she went to Middlebury College up in Vermont. And so we would go up and visit her and thought, man, there's, we love the area and it would be really fun. And I think we would frame it along the lines of feeling like a burden from God of wanting to be a part of what he's doing here in New England. Did you visit during the summer? Or the winter? (laughs) I think we did the summer. Okay. Uh, But my wife had visited her sister during the winter with, uh, in Middlebury, Vermont, you know, three or four feet of snow. So we knew what was going on. And so we would actually connect it with another church within our denomination that was in the area of King of Grace Church with Paul Buckley. And there were some folks that lived in the city that we're in now that were attending that church. Mm-hmm. We thought, you know, look, we enjoy these people. We enjoy the city. I love Manchester. It's not a sexy city. It's just blue collar people who are making a living and doing their best. And so it seemed to us that, hey, if we want to be a part of things in New England and New Hampshire, this is a great opportunity. It seems like God's in it. And so we ultimately ended up being sent by that church to a school for a year and then going from that school to where we are now to manchester to take over that small group and lead it towards me becoming a church wow and so that's been five and a half years yeah that was five and a half years ago that we moved here to manchester and so i'll ask you a question what would be your assessment of do you think you've accomplished what you should have would have could have in five years are you under did you underestimate it and overestimate it i think we if five years out we have accomplished what we came to help steward and build it has taken a lot longer than maybe i would have hoped at the beginning but it has taken the appropriate amount of time to get where we're at okay and 
So my understanding is that generally church planting works of starting new churches in New England almost universally die out within a year of starting out. And so we've managed to survive for the last five years. So I figure that's a general success. I think in terms of moving a church plant from zero to becoming an established church, I think within the last phase of that, we, we've got guys that we're trying to train into becoming leaders in the church. And so it's not just about me, it's got other folks there. We've got a regular presence within the community, and people are aware of who we are and are exploring Jesus at the church. And so then we're moving. We're a New Hampshire church plant, so we the financial viability is always a question. But I think we're heading in the right direction. The purpose of a church is to make new disciples and better disciples, you know, is one way of framing it, and to be known in the, the community where you're at. I think we've kind of accomplished that five years in. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. What was the biggest surprise for you in in this that you hadn't anticipated? With church planting? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's you have a specific sample set of one that you've been experienced with, but you yeah. know, you probably had some, okay, this will be this, this will be hard, this will be easy. And if you were to, to offer advice to somebody saying, hey, I want to start a church or I want to do something, what was the unanticipated, the outlier that you hadn't anticipated? You know, I think pastoring a church is, it's a weird setup, right? I'm wanting to lead people to something that I can't make them do. I'm wanting people to convert to Jesus, which I can't make them do. And then I'm trying to help people out of incredibly painful situations, which I cannot do on my own, right? Like, I'm not the agent of functional change in somebody else's life. And yet, the very nature of being a church planter and a pastor is to be present so that you can help those things happen whenever they decide to happen. And so I think that that awkward situation of, I'm trying to lead us towards becoming new or better disciples, and yet I can't make that happen, is I don't think I had anticipated for myself how that would have played on my desire to be in control mm-hmm. and played on my desire to prove myself to other people and played on my own desire to save other people. So the, in terms of like what's the hardest part, frankly, the hardest part is learning that I am not Jesus, I'm not the Savior mm-hmm. other people, and yet I'm leading something that is intended to display him in such a way that people want to be a part of him and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to figure out how I'm going to pay the bills with that dynamic in play, and it's hard to figure out how am I going to have legitimate success metrics with those dynamics in play. So I think that, to whatever extent that is a thing that I would counsel guys on that are thinking about doing this, taking very seriously from John 1, I am not the Christ, and trying to drill that into our thinking and feeling and how we are a disciple is critical to actually succeeding whether the church plant gets off the ground or not. Now, would would you say that you had said legitimate success metrics were, you know, is certainly a means to identify or to measure success? Or do you think that those success metrics have changed in your own mind? Were they not defined? Were they defined? You know, are they differently defined now? Sure. Yeah, I think they are differently defined now. I think early on, I probably would have said, you know what, we want to get as many people as possible in the doors. 200 people on a Sunday morning sure looks like a lot of success. Mm -hmm. Certainly that would be great. I think now I'm much more just kind of like, if we get, you know, however many people show up, 
it's more about creating the community where people can be cared for that I'm concerned with, which is a much longer project than just getting people in the door on a Sunday morning. So the long-term dynamics of discipleship, helping people follow Jesus, those would be where I would hang the hook of what is success or not. And those are much more like two years out, three years out, six years out. They're not the immediate result of a metric from today. Does that answer your question? I think or so. Am I getting the right? No, I think yeah. so. Was there something that has occurred that was unexpected that, you know, it's like, wow, I, I didn't expect that so far? <laughs> well, there's a lot of things that have happened that I did not expect. I think the, the things that have been most unexpected were, I mean, in the early days, we had a financial crisis with how do we, my fundraising donor totally was evaporated. And then I think more recently, things that have happened that are unexpected were certainly crises in people's lives that were out of the blue or unexpected that we are trying to process together. So it sounds like, I mean, you know, for somebody that doesn't necessarily understand what Christianity is or a Christian church is, it's you talk a lot about helping people or being there for them or providing an environment for them. I don't know the exact mm. words. I'm trying to think. Sure. But it's sort of, so how have you seen that play itself out in your community that your community has said, oh, wow, this is different, you know, as opposed to going to a Starbucks and saying, yeah, they, they have good coffee and I like the atmosphere. There sounds like there's something different when you shift into what a church is. So how do people around us recognize that we are different than maybe what they would have expected of a church? Exactly. Well, to begin with, one of the things that the very nature of where we meet is a part of that. So we meet on Sunday mornings in a location called uh, Hope for New Hampshire Recovery Center. So it's a community center in our neighborhood that is devoted to one of these critical issues going on in our state and primarily our city of the addiction crisis that's going on. And so the community center in and of itself is committed to being a resource location for people who are trying to either get out of addiction or continue their long-term recovery. And we very much share a similar passion for our neighborhood that this community center has. And so we meet there not only on Sunday mornings, but we contribute to their events. And so we're kind of recognized within the city as, oh, that's the church that works really closely with the addiction community. That doesn't mean that we are great at it or that we are overly, that's not like our one issue that Mm -hmm. we deal with as a church. But they recognize within that very posture that most churches either have their own building and kind of sequester inside that. You don't have to do those two. That's not one to the other. You can have a building and still use it as a place to serve to serve the community. But they would recognize us because of our affiliation with Hope for New Hampshire Recovery Center. Oh, that's a church that really cares about people with this issue in our city. Uh, so I've had people comment like, oh, yeah, I've heard about you guys. You guys meet at the recovery center. So they, there's a recognition that we work with them. And then within our orientation, we're very, well, I think that kind of what you're picking up on that relational orientation is we're going to draw people into being friends with us before we're going to try to lead them to any sort of religious affiliation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that, we really are just going to trust that God's moving, not laid back, like we're leaning in on this stuff. If my identity is not on the line of validating my Christian faith with other people and how they respond to me, and I'm just there to serve them and to be faithful to what Jesus told me to do and being their friend, I can trust the rest to Jesus. And Mm -hmm. so I think that creates a culture that's not anxious and not heavy-handed, but more inviting and gracious, I hope. 
Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So what's the next five years look like? <laughs> yeah, that's certainly what I think about a lot. I think that we are, we have some guys that are not only, I think, called to be elders, but maybe one or two guys that are probably church planters. We've kind of used the number from the beginning of the church plant that when we get to 100 people, clock's going to start ticking on when we would send out a church plant. And so uh, we kind of use the general idea of we want to see a 1,000 people in a King's Cross church, and we want to accomplish that by 10 churches of 100 people. Mm -hmm. And so we're getting close to that number on a Sunday morning, and we're actively working to kind of create more space for that. So the next five years is going to be getting more guys ordained and, Lord willing, assessing some guys to get them ready to go for either church planting or supporting a church plant. In the immediate future, we work really closely with a church up in Concord, New Hampshire, River of Grace, and we've got a couple guys moving out here next year to plant a church in Henniker, New Hampshire. We're going to be working with them and trying to do our best to facilitate that church plant as a bit of a case study for when it comes time for us to plant, uh, probably on the west-ish side of Manchester. Cool. So that's in the immediate future, for the church at least. I imagine within that time frame, Tom Brady will have gotten at least two more rings. So that's my anticipation. Is it? Is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're only so. seven and zero today, as as we as we date ourselves here. So you know, twenty yeah, years from now, <laughs> when the Tom Brady Invitational is going on in February. Yeah. I know. Well, I just, yeah, the the game last night was just so incredible. They just absolutely destroyed the Jets. It was, anyhow. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's a lot of lot of Patriot people out there that don't like the Patriots, though. So Well, they can be wrong. That's fine. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so the next five years. What about, what about for you? What's the next five years of Save Your Lives look like for you? Oh, who knows? Onward and upward. You know, we're spending a lot of time building our practices up, helping people with technology in all facets, trying to do that through a group of people who are really interested in solving technology problems. So we want to focus on that and make sure that as the friction of technology increases because of, you know, just things break, one aspect of it, but also as things get more complicated, we want to reduce that friction and help people yeah. apply technology in ways that they might not have thought about or might not have the technical skills to do on their own. And it's sort of, you know, it's like you can do certain things on your car, you know, you can change the oil or make sure there's air in the tires, but, you know, maybe you can't take the engine apart or whatever it is. And so it's a similar technology curve is that, you know, you need to be able to be efficient in the yeah. ability to, to drive your car and use it. We sort of use that same analogy and, you know, we give you in your business the ability to really execute well. Well, we've been talking with Jacob Young, a church planting pastor in Manchester, New Hampshire. We'll have links to his website and some of his blogs. I think it'd be good for people who are listening who might be interested to follow him and see what he has to say as he's sort of on one of the cutting edges of our society right now. Yeah, exciting times. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, Paul. Thanks for your time. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit 
paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.